0: It's episode four of the Improv London podcast. This week's guest is journeyman Mark Tyndall.
1: This ain't going to be
0: easy. Well, we've made it to episode four. Thank you all for listening. And uh, exciting news we are now on iTunes, so we are more accessible. Anyway, um... Every week, I think I'm going to probably end up saying the same thing, but uh, I really enjoyed listening back. I really enjoyed having the conversation with Mark at the time, and then I really enjoyed listening back to it before uh, putting it together and uh, loading it, uploading it online. And uh, this has led to me wanting to record more of my uh, conversations that I have with friends, uh, which somehow somehow was weird. That that's seems unacceptable. Anyway, um, here's Mark. No, it's uh, it's good to uh, it's good you know it's good that the listeners uh, don't get to miss out on any of the gold. (laughs) Yeah, it is all it's all gold. Clearly solid gold. I mean, what we're going to get here? That's exactly it. So, Mark, you were just saying that you had Thursday levels of tiredness on a Tuesday. Why do you have Thursday (laughs) levels of tiredness on a Tuesday?
1: Oh, just just genuinely tired. It was uh didn't even do anything last night. I just ended one of those nights. I was like, oh. Didn't, yeah, and this morning I woke up without without the energy this
0: morning. Was it not Duck Duck Goose last
1: night? It actually? was, but I wasn't able to make it. I was oh, I, I wasn't so sort of feeling up to it, um, unfortunately. So I missed out, which is oh, a, no. always a shame. And, and a new venue too. And I'm always so sad to miss out whenever we get to go to, to a new place to do the show. Which is always a damn shame. But uh, no, it was uh, yeah. Bow a good night. Three good teams performing again. You know, good crowd, good jams. It's all the things we want Duck Duck Goose to be, basically. You know, which is uh, which is wonderful. You know, I mean. I don't over someone to explain a little bit about somebody. We're going to get is, to Duck yeah. Duck Goose. We shall, we shall <laughs> hold that. We shall I put should... a pin in that Duck Duck
0: Goose, and that we shall come to that because I that should... is part of the Mark Tyndall story, but only a, only a part. Only a part. So yeah, the um, yeah. Now what I'm doing with these is I'm generally talking to everyone, and I'm just finding out what their kind of improv story is. Mm. You know, what their origin story is, what attracted them to improv in the first place, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of the cool places that um, Improv has taken them and yeah. it's taken you to some cool places I'm looking forward to discussing. Well, it i very lucky with that, absolutely right. So, uh, yeah. Well, how, where did Improv come into your life? Where
1: and how? Yeah, I mean, Improv began for me first when I was at university, so more than ten years ago now, probably 10, 11, twelve years ago, um, which ages me for the audience. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was at university and didn't, I wasn't really aware of, of, of improv, um, but I wish I remember who it was. But some friends of mine recommended going to see this show. Um, it was upstairs above a pub called The Wheat Sheaf, just off Oxford High Street. And it was an improv show, and the team performing was called The Oxford Imps. Wonderful gag, you know, classic, classic improv pun name, you know, ticked all the boxes on that. <laughs> and they were a student uh, short-form team. Um, you know, at the time, uh, what they did, I thought, was the only improv that there was. You know, I'd seen Who's Nice anyway, so I was aware that of that sort of short form game structure and that was really it. So that was the first improv I saw it was, you know, ten plus years ago at, at university with the the Oxidimps and I was absolutely blown away by these guys. I loved them. You know, they they were they were funny, they were witty, very original, very sharp. They what they did was play short form actually as well as I've ever seen it played. I mean, you know, memory probably is a little bit, you know, so sort of golden hazy. But what they did was do what I think great short form does, which is be very high energy they were they were a great energetic team that came out to music they were obviously very younger students so they they played with big energy they kept the game short if the game wasn't working, they would end it you know they would take chances, be quite risky, but they play they were very good at playing with the audience they they were really really good at what they did you know it was a lot of American students in you know, Oxford drawing in a lot of u s students as it did but also plenty of Brits too, and they were great. So I saw them for two plus years. I did audition as well, but didn't didn't get in because I wasn't in that performancey place at the time. Yes yeah, right. So I was shaking my fist <laughs> in anger at Oxford episode like I didn't really come across in an audio medium, did it? <laughs> yeah, I, I I get it, that's what I think that's what matters, you <laughs> know, I that. So that's where it began was was seeing them and and then it sort of that's kinda of where it stopped for a long time. Um, can you remember the audition process? Yeah, I mean, they just had us come in. We did a few of the classic sort of uh, improv games and warm- warm-ups, you know, in the, in the sort of the uh, race standard ones. And then we just began to play some scenes, play some, some of the structures that they used. And it was really just to get a feel for what you know, what I think we, we could bring to its performers. And it was great fun. I remember having a really good time doing it.
0: So has your improv career since then just been revenge on the Oxford imps for uh, (laughs) slighting (laughs) slighting?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean ultimately that's the long term ambition, you know. Do we reach a point where I can I don't know, be in a position where I can somehow destroy the career of the Oxford Imps, you know, be, be the man that brings the Imps to an end. But not the Oxford Imps of now, the Oxford Imps of 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, that's it. I've, I've got to hunt back. I've got, I've got all the names, I've got the dossier on my wall. I mean, again, you, you, you can't see this on the voice uh, you know, court, but there's a checklist on my wall oh, with X's next. to It's with names. terrifying, it's terrifying. On it <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> such things life is made. Yeah? <laughs> so then you said there was a gap. Yeah, very long gap, I mean we're talking. Seven, eight year gap really, where I kind of got in my head that I wasn't a performer, I wasn't an actor, I wasn't a comedian, you know, I just, I don't know why, but I just got into it in my head that that was, was not who I am. Um, and it began to start again when I moved back to my hometown of Stockton, this was 2010, so Stockton Tees in the northeast of England, and again, didn't really think anything of myself as a performer. But by chance I ran into an old maid of mine I was, was, was at uh, Sixth form College with and she was running uh, like a a sort of arts and sort of comedy, performance, writing, creativity collective one that sort of like an organisation that sort of brought other groups through and the name of which I've completely forgotten so I do apologise so we'll, Laura, I am we'll, sorry that I can't remember the name We'll do put apologize. it in the show notes as well. Yeah that's it, we'll, we'll attach it in <laughs> So she was running this really cool organisation and she obviously saw something that I hadn't seen, because she sort of, literally, I was walking down the street, and she leaned out the office door of her organisation, grabbed me by the collar, dragged me in, and said, you're going to join our sketch writing group. <laughs> literally, I'd seen her once, and she'd sort of suggested this, and I'd gone, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, and then sort of wandered off. And then, like, a few like weeks later, she collared me on the way past, dragged me in, and damn well made me join the group. So I joined a sketch writing group from that, and that was really good fun, because it was a creative outlet that I'd never had before. And... And you know, I quite and what I didn't enjoy about doing sketch was the writing up of the sketches, sort yeah. of thing where you sort of agonize over words and details, that's just not my style. And then doing the same sketch night after night, that was one that I didn't enjoy. What I loved was that bit when we all broke up into groups, this is how the group worked, we all broke into little groups and started throwing ideas at each other. So we maybe get like words to inspire us and we take an idea and you know, improvise a sketch from that. And I like, the stuff I'm really enjoying. And I was doing a bit of acting, I was sort of part of an acting group, and out of the blue, somebody got in touch with me. Obviously, my name had been passed on to her, saying, I hear you're interested in improv. Um, this is a lady called Liz Mitchell. So, this is up in Teesside. She said, Yeah, I, mean, I, I do improv, and I want to get a group up and running in the northeast. So, you know, I sort of, we began to get, get a few people rounded up, we got it up and running, and uh, Teesside Improv was, was born. Unfortunately we didn't last very long because the creative scene in the North is, is you know, particularly in some Tea side, is, is pretty restrictive. Um, it's just not a big scene and a lot of people in the group were doing other things. Sort of, you know, doing comedy and performance in other ways and it didn't sort of really catch. So we were doing a lot of short form stuff and yes, there is some videos in existence of, of, of <laughs> me on there. So if you, if you, if you ever get there to look for side info, then go for it. <laughs> Including one game where I spent, my word, I must have spent ten minutes with a guy trying to get him to work out the location we were in. We were playing the game um, where, it's got, it's got, it, the version we played was, was called The Boss is Gonna Flip. Right, yes. And it's, so I'm playing the boss, he is playing the employee, and we've got two other people who are on stage to help him. And he is late for work, but he doesn't know why, because he's gone out of the room while we've generated the reason. So it's that classic one of, we've got to keep the scene going, keep the, keep the comedy working, while he works out what's going on. And the guy who was the um, was the employee was, bless his heart, one of the least good at that game possible, <laughs> and one of the least sort of aware people I've ever played with. He's a nice, really nice guy, but he was terrible at that game. So I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And we got the... He was in the French Fallen Legion, and his camel wouldn't start. That was the reason why I was like... And I kid you not, I looked at the video, I am... It felt like an age, but I think it was about ten minutes trying to get the work out using the French Foreign Legion. I mean doing the accent, I was doing jokes about being in the desert, burying up the sand, having the Arabs eat him. I mean it wasn't like what else can we do? even at the point where I said to him, What accent do you think I'm using? And he went, Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and it it's it's it somehow works. It became a strange Zen experience, doing really. it. And eventually we got there. And yet... We got there really quickly. Once we sort of got over the hump of we were in the French Foreign Legion, we got there really quickly. It was crazy. So that was a lot of fun. So that was kind of the epitome of what we were about. We had a ton of fun doing that. Um, and then, so that was kind of, got me back into improv again, you know, the idea of it. And then, it, so that was in my head that when I came down to London back in the, sort of, towards the end of 2013, improv was like, okay, improv's one of the things I want to do, you know, because I knew... Coming down to a city like London, I had some friends and some family down here already, but with the city being as it is, I mean, the size of it is, you need a community to be part of. You know, I so, said, okay, I need to come into something, because it's going to be my way to, to have a social life. So, literally put improv London in Google and went to all the things that came up in the first hits. So, I went, went to Hoopla, went went to the nursery, you know, began to get to meet the teams, go and see shows, and that's just, that's where it began, you know, and this thing that was meant to be one of the many things I was going to do, you know, Uh, two years ago has become the thing that I do and become my life and it's That's kind of the origin of it and it's the words brought me to here in London being so involved with it all Can you remember which uh, which class you did first? Oddly, I think the first like main class did those posters to drop in was a nursery improv Shakespeare workshop. <laughs> I like you know, go straight into a really odd and esoteric class. You know, none of this sort of you know, go and do the sort of, you know, the, 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 the introduction to improv stuff, none of this sort of, you know, level one or you know thing no no. Straight into doing the weirdest possible thing. So go and do Jules munzer's improvised Shakespeare workshop. Which I haven't done, but it does sound amazing. It is brilliant. Yeah. I had the most fun doing it. I mean, you know, Jules is like so many of the teachers in London, a wonderful guy, and he's so much fun to play with, because he because he pushes really hard to like push an idea to destruction, and that's really at the core of a lot of like, Shakespearean style, it's understanding what you're doing, and then pushing it to destruction, and getting to break the improv rules, of course I didn't really know the rules too long <laughs> at the time, but the great joy of it is you get, particularly with Shakespeare, is you get to do like long, declamatory speeches, and you get to talk and talk and talk, in a way that you never would in a normal improv scene, you know, you, you would never normally monologue yeah. in that way. Whereas, you know, so much of Shakespeare is built around these long, like, expositionary monologues or monologues about feelings. I remember, Joe's always put in this way of, like, he always talked about this idea of, you're, like, you know, the scene is, like, going along in a horizontal. And then when you get a chance to monologue, Shakespeare is all like you then go vertical. So you then really dig down into a thing. And what was fascinating was, like, what comes out of doing that? Like, you know, it's that classic thing in improv where suddenly you're saying something that you could never have planned to have said. I was like, where did that come from? Yeah. yeah that was like, it was, it, I, I just found that fascinating. And that really began to light something in me, like, oh, okay, this is, this is an amazing scene. You know, starting to meet the people, Something really blown away by the teams I was seeing. And, seeing the size of the scene capacity what I was used to, you know, obviously it's grown so much more since then, but just being amazed at what was going on around me and, you know, doing a workshop so inventive, I thought, okay, this is what is available in the city, that's amazing. And I suppose if you've
0: done um, Improvised Shakespeare as your first course, then nothing else holds any fear, really, does it? If you've, uh... <laughs> well, the,
1: I, the only thing that, that's still complete, well, no, two things have completely still broken me in, in, in improv and I'm still working on them both. One is improvised singing and and uh, and doing improvised musicals. So to do it, you know, we were in the same workshop, we were, which yes. I unfortunately had to drop out of. Um, and this is nothing against the again it was a nursery workshop. Nothing against their teaching. Again, Jules is an amazing teacher and the best one of the best guys to be doing this. Like you could you could imagine, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Just couldn't do it. Just, just couldn't. There was too many things trying to balance there, trying to rhyme and trying to. Sing coherently and trying to keep the beat because I have no internal beat, you know. So, <laughs> so yeah, you know, I just couldn't do it unfortunately. But yeah, you know, it made the way I view it is you know, it, it's not quite my time yet. You know, there will come a point when I can when I'll do it. I mean, I've, I've done bits and bobs of singing on stage and I've done dropping musical type workshops since, and yeah, you know, I've done all right in them. Yeah. So like so, okay, so I can sense that that this little mental block is going to go. Yeah. And the other mental block is doing howls. <laughs> I just—I mean, God, I, I don't know what it is. I—I I, I, I know about the mechanics of it. I cannot do it. which is really weird, and you know, I sort of—and you know, this is—I sort of learned this through the doing the fantastic free association course. I mean, I was doing level two of the free association. Um, so Mike OT was was teaching again, wonderful teacher, amazing guy. I'm going to be saying this a lot, by the way, I'm going to be like, everyone is amazing, and, and it's not me doing ability. It's literally everyone in London probably is amazing, you know, this guy sat here is amazing, you know. Yeah,
0: thank you very much, and so are you. Um, and if they aren't amazing, we're not going to mention them, that's, that's yeah. the rule. That's it, that's it, so you know, you do hear a lot of names
1: tonight. So yeah, so I did the level two with the free association, because I, you know the thing I want to do, um, and I hope this kind of comes across in what we're talking about, is I, I want to... Do everything in improv, you know I, I don't wow. want to specialize in any one thing I want to be able to do everything go on stage, with anybody do any any particular style, have fun in any circumstance just somebody called it an improv journeyman, yeah. and I love that idea. I love the idea of being an improv journeyman, you know where I can just go anywhere and do anything and have fun with it you know yeah. and even if it's a thing that maybe isn't my particular specialty. Doesn't matter. I just go and do it. Yeah. So that's what drew me to doing that. Okay, you now I want to work with all of the different teachers in London, and so I was drawn to the Free Association because I've sort of had great words about what they're doing with their uh, long form and ultra built towards the howl teaching and had an amazing eight week course with with O T. and learning the structures of how that particular brand of Chicago long form works. Might, maybe get the te- te- you know maybe I get the sort of language wrong, but you know learning how their take on long form works and all the, and having great fun with that. The bit where it melted down was when we got into doing howls and i just couldn't yeah. m- make make those mental leaps that that yeah. sort of requires and it was a real shame because exactly
0: like, ah oh, that's
1: you know because I told you, you enjoyed the rest of the course you know doing the other structures the armandos and doing these sort last of cats and doing the structure of that which was tremendous fun and learning from mike was a real pleasure because he's one of the teachers who has got that knack of you can do a scene for him and then he will without thinking Name 15 different ways that, that scene could have been funnier or that you could have taken a different direction. And you still come out of it feeling good about yourself. Right, and yeah. you know, and, and you know, you're not feeling like, oh, man, I blew it. You're feeling like, okay, that was good, but yeah, he, he knows better. and that was, yeah. That's a really cool way to sort of teach, and a really, you know, a really natural way of teaching, which was amazing. So, you know, thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly recommended for the free association year. and I've been to their so level three and level four shows and showcases and seen what their students can do. And it's tremendous, you know, quality of improv that they can turn out. it's like, I just can't quite do it at the moment, you know. But, you know, there's lots and lots of different types to play, and that's the joy.
0: It's really interesting what
1: you're saying about
0: there there will be a time for it. Mm. The time just hasn't come yet. Yeah. Um, And I think it's really admirable, this kind of journeyman kind of ethic, Mm. you know, wanting to try all the different types of ways of
1: doing improv,
0: because I don't know if I'm that brave. (laughs)
1: I, I don't know what it is It, it to me it, it just seems to be the most instinctive thing you know it's like I, I want to you know I have the things I like doing Yeah. You know, certain forms and we'll talk about them as we go on that I, I adore doing but I love this idea of I could turn up anywhere with anybody yeah. and go and do anything yeah. and and I just and it, it's something actually that that Roy Yannick or Roy Danger of um, Parallelogram a phonograph P-Graph from the Hideout Theatre in Austin talk about there's a quote of his and I, I can't remember exactly what it is but there's a, a somebody posted a photograph of like a quote up on the wall that he how he'd said, and the quote basically was was to say no matter what the form, no matter what the thing is, I will play it, and if I play it badly, then it's because of me. It's not yeah. because of the form. You know, I will do anything. Yeah. And if it goes badly, that's on me. You know, I'd, not quite that. He put it much more eloquently yeah. than that. Typically, so, but that was kind of thought. That, that's like that sort stuck with me. I went yeah, that's. Yeah. I want to be that guy who goes, yeah, sure, why not? Let's do that.
0: I, um, I have shied away from the Herald mm, yeah. because having read descriptions of it, I think I don't have that ability to think. Mm. Or, but partly, I mean, it may be the case
1: that I haven't had the training. I think that's a huge part of it. I, th- I think it, it is a form that I think some people can be very instinctive towards. I think we know certain people haven't, you know, i we all believe that certain people have an instinctive knack towards everything you know, towards certain things that so do people don't, but to me it is a form that does require, you know, you have to understand the mechanics of it and the sort of refinements required. And the great thing is, you know, we've now got, you know, some good organisation teaching Howells in London, you know, we've got, you know, of course, David Shaw, who's trained so many of our improvisers in, in London, his Howells classes have, you know, the Monkey Tails Howells classes have gone down in legend, you know, and he's turned out a huge number of of, uh, of improvisers. Things like half three quarters of London's improvisers have been trained by David Shaw, which is just <laughs> this incredible genius of people. So he's you know brought to a load of people to, you know to, do doing his take on on the Howald, and he's got um, his uh, house teams now now performing, and you know, the free association do the same as well. You know they, they they are doing this sort of level one through four structure with their teaching. You know it's a real bringing in the basics and then advancing through the levels, uh, and also have the house teams as well. So it's. Just, you know, if if, if you sort of get the urge to um, go down that line there yeah. is it's there it's yes. there to do
0: which is wonderful yes no it's uh, it's nice that there's so much so much variety mm. and that there isn't a specific London style no
1: and you really hit the nail on the head there for me because this is the thing I love most about improv in London right now is we don't you couldn't look at it and go oh that's a London style mm. and I think the longer that that continues the better you know I, I love that London Improv is like London. It is this incredible cultural melting pot, you know. The whole city is this melting pot of, of everything that's been drawn into it. It's this incredibly energetic place. And that's what improv feels like. It feels like a bunch of people trying different stuff out. You know, they're all coming from different backgrounds. You know, we're in a situation of course where most of our you know, well, really all of our teachers and are, are trained from abroad. They you know they've all had their training across the world. You know, we have a or, you know, we have this wonderful structure already and it's getting better and better all the time where we have foreign teachers coming in, you know, bringing their, you know, their specialities with them, you know, again, you know, Hoopla and the nursery and, and um, C3 something, you know, and all these groups are organising, bringing over international teachers to do these amazing workshops. And, and I think that is fueling this creativity and inventiveness that we've got in the scene. And I think the longer that we go on not having a London style think really the better you know I think that's great for us it makes the scene so much fun to be part of Mm, yes
0: definitely Um, so how did you get involved with Duck Duck Goose so Duck Duck Goose (laughs) um, you should explain what Duck Duck Goose is (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm presuming that everyone knows but maybe people don't
1: oh yes there's a lot of people know listen to this so Duck Duck Goose is a weekly um, improv jam that that uh, we do. It's on Mondays, uh, eight p.m. It's a free night, and the way it's structured is we have two or three acts will perform, um, and they can be experienced, they can be first timers, they can be you know, um, acts in that sort of you know development phase. They can be teams, tr- experienced teams trying new about We will let anybody come and play any style that they want. We we just we don't put any sort of prescription on that. We just want to see as much different improv as we can. So we have the acts, but the big thrust of the night is it's we also give a lot of jam opportunities to people too, because one of the things that, again, I love in improv, and really all of us involved with Dr. Goose love, is this capacity to get on stage with a person you've never met before, <laughs> you have maybe literally making eye contact and learn the name for the first time, at that moment, and you go and do improv together. To me, there's something awesomely pure about that feeling, and you step on stage and you go, alright, oh, let's do this, you know, you have, let's get a word at word, okay, let's make something happen, and and I love that. because. It's ama- you know. Does that not terrify you? It doesn't. You know, I, This is always the thing that every time I tell people I do improv, they always say, oh, it must be so scary being on stage. And I say, it's not. To, to, to me, the scariest thing is being on stage with a script. That is terrifying. Uh, me. Right. Because one, you've got to remember the script, and with a memory like mine. <laughs> and, like and two, if your script isn't working, yeah. that's terrible to me. Now, that's scary. Whereas if you're on stage and you've no idea what you're going to do, and the audience knows you've no idea what you're going to do, but then you just throw yourself into it and have fun with it. That, to me, is the easiest, natural thing of all. So I love jamming. I've always loved jamming. This idea, you get on stage, you don't know what's going to happen. And yes, I mean, you know, having a regular team and performing people over and over again, that's where you can drive some really amazing input. That's where you know, a lot of the great work sits. But for like spontaneous, true individual fun, this idea where you get on stage and you go, OK, let's see what happens, is brilliant. So that's what we do. So at the Dr. Goose Jam, we really put a lot of emphasis on getting... Jammers up on stage, and we put we give a lot of time in the show to do, We do two person scenes, and we do um, like eight person like montages. So we put a lot of emphasis on on that, and it's great fun. You know, we have an amazing time doing. It. I mean, at the moment, um, here in December twenty fifteen, we're based down there for social in Brixton. So we do a, we do the free gig uh, down Monday nights, but you know who who knows where we'll be in the future. But find us online, and Facebook, <laughs> and all that sort of thing. But um, I got involved with it back in twenty fourteen. Was it twenty
0: fourteen? Just say it
1: with conviction. Yeah, you know what? Yes, that's right. <laughs> you, 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 yeah, you're only wrong in involving acknowledge it, that's right. Yeah, I'll have to check this out. I think it was twenty fourteen I got I first got involved with it. And it was a weekly show and I started to go on to it and I was really enjoying it. And at that time it was being run out of the Priory Arms in Stockwell by Vic Hogg and Walid Akhtar, uh, who'd sort of create who'd create the night and would and, be and taking it on. And I absolutely loved it, because I found the atmosphere to be great fun, I loved the fact it was weekly, I loved the fact there was a chance to get on stage and perform and jam, and I was going every week, and Vic and Waleed could see how engaged I was at the night, how much I was enjoying it, so they asked me if I wanted to become part of the team in presenting and running it, and I just jumped on it with Judy, I said yes, of course, and you know it's an amazing opportunity to have something like that, so it's gone on from there. Um, Waleed eventually sort of moved on for Dr. Goose, he kind of focused on, uh, sort of, I think stage and screen acting uh, side of things, and he's doing that wonderfully, so for a while it, it was me and Vic running it. Then we began to think, okay, we, we, we kind of want to expand it from just us two, it's a lot of work for us to be doing it, we were ambitious, we wanted it throughout the night, we wanted to keep doing it weekly, we wanted to keep you know pushing it, publicising it, getting more and more people coming, because it's kind of growing, we want to grow it all the time. So we, um, we realised that, that uh, there was a guy called Ed, Ed JD, who was coming weekly, and was really engaged with it, and really got in, buying into the vibe of what it was. And it's like he was doing what I was doing, basically. You know? So Vic and I asked him if he wanted to be involved. And, you know, Ed was you know generous enough to say yes. So he's jumped on, and become part of the team. And since then, we've added four more guys to the team. And so we added um, Amar and Steph and Brendan and, and most recently, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, Dan. Again, all people who come here every week who are wonderful players, are great jammers, they're fun guys, and they get what the goose is all about. Because what we want the night to be Mm. is a fun and friendly place. You know, a place where people can try stuff out. You have acts to try stuff out, but also for jammers to just to go and feel there's a no pressure environment. Just to so want to be relaxed and comfortable, and able to get on stage and just see what happens, and that's what we want the night to be. You know, that's. Of the, what we want to give back to London Info is to be a night where people can go and try stuff out be they act performers or be they jammers. And all the guys who've become part of Team Duck Duck Goose have been part of that and, and, yeah. and bought into that. And that's been amazing amazingly part
0: of. Yes, I have. Um, I don't get along as often as I would like, but I have very fond memories. Um, the first time I came along, the show stoppers were playing. That was
1: an amazing Just night. Blew yeah. my mind. <laughs> it is. I mean, I, and this has been a thing. I mean, we we have. It's my ambition, really, to have every London team play it. That's what we want to do, ultimately, because we're doing a weekly show, so we're doing forty plus shows a year, two or three acts. So you know, we're already getting you know. That's what like you know eight, eighty to ninety. So you know that's that's terrible mass. but you know you know you know what I mean. You we're know, we're talking like you know probably a hundred plus slots available per year, and obviously some teams you know play there. And, Multiple times, but yeah, we so we've got acts like the Showstoppers, and we've had these incredible teams come and play. But also, we've had like spontaneous stuff that that's come together on on nights. You know, we, we had a situation um, where we had a dropout. So we had like, it was we Collier and Nick Orlem from um, uh, Do Not Justice Stage were there, and they just did a show they just did a, an amazing for together you know so that was fantastic and we've we've had that kind of th- that spirit you know where people will just do stuff and we are so lucky with both the well-known acts that we've had play you know, we've had, you know teams of really incredible caliber people come play but also teams of brand new into improv you know teams are doing it for the, doing their first show with us you know and it's that's a really fantastic feeling when someone says, "Yeah, you know, this is we got our first night at Doctor Goose," and that's like, "Wow, you know," for the feeling, and it's it's a beautiful thing, you know. You know, being able to play a role like Hoopla does with the Launchpad nights, you know, give to give a staging chance to to people to to do stuff and help build the scene, both in terms of teams, but also in terms of new players as well, people yeah. finding improv and coming into it yeah. know, and, and getting more engaged with it. That is that's a real, real sort of whew, wow kind of moment, you know, forward. it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, I did my first uh, improv show
0: as part of the Saturday mornings at Goose, Duck and Duck. Mm. it was just, uh, mainly I remember
1: standing at the stage just being pretty terrified, but it was an amazing experience. <laughs> it's that, you know, you come off and, and, yeah, you, it's a wonderful thing, you know, that, that you sort of, you feel the fear of it, and you acknowledge it, and you play with it, and, you know, you find ways to use it, and it's, it's a wonderful feeling. Do you get nervous before you perform? Less and less these days. Yeah, I'm quite a highly strong guy, so I get nervous very easily. And, yeah, I used to get nervous a lot before doing stuff. And the nerves are still there. The energy is is still that. But recently, a lot less so. You know, I've felt a lot calmer in general on stage and a lot just calmer before shows. It's been really interesting still seeing that progression. I mean... Is that because you've done so many Duck, Duck, Gooses... I think that's a huge part of it, yeah, is, is the fact that I'm doing stuff weekly, you know, and I've been living and breathing improv for two years now, so it's kind of been getting into my, it gets into my DNA, you know, and I've been looking up to perform with a lot of different people. That's one of the great things about doing the jamming and running the night, is I get to meet so many different people and watch and learn and just have it flow into me from that. But then also to do so many different workshops with so many different teachers absorb so much from that, and that's, it's so nice, I mean, um, um, you know uh, back in mid-November I was, I was out in the States and you know, I'll be able to talk more about this in a little bit I was out in the States doing some improv and two very very dear friends of mine, Jessica and Aspen um, who are two of my favourite people and two of my favourite improvisers they both said independently on the same day how much I'd developed as an improviser between November when I saw them then and April when I'd last seen them and that, that was a you know, and that, that, was like, that, that was like the highest sort of praise and the, the, the nicest thing I could have heard was, was like of how much I've come on in that period of time. And I, and I think that is just through regular performance, through the workshops. And I think finally like deep down processing a lot of the stuff I'd learnt in the workshops and like sort of sitting it inside and going, oh, this is it. you know, And then it begins to really just get into my DNA as a performer and I feel... It's it, it's a it's a bit of a sporting analogy I use here. They, they,
0: they... <laughs> it's weird because this is not the first sporting analogy you've had on this podcast. but love Anyway, it. love <laughs> it.
1: Well, you see sport and improv. Who thinks they sit together? Well, you yeah, know, exactly. Well, I personally do Good.
0: Let's 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 go for the sporting analogy. I possibly won't understand it, but right, I will be. I will, I will back you up all the way. <laughs> well.
1: So, in, in cricket, they they talk about time a lot, particularly for batsmen. Um, they say the great players look like they have time, it's that, th- it's that thing where they can play better in a circumstance, and they can play better shots and they look calmer and they look more collected, everything's less frantic. It looks like the other players are playing in slow motion no matter what is happening and that's, to me, what kind of what it feels like as you develop as an improviser. You've got all this going on around you, all these distractions, you've got all the things going on in the scene, all the things you need to concentrate on, on your partner, on yourself, on the set, on the creation of what you're doing. I say set of course I mean because the, the space work you're creating around you you've got all this going on and it's remaining that calm and that focus inside it and lately that's what I've felt I've got better at what yeah. generally is just being more that zen in the moment of yeah. this is the right thing to do and not feeling rushed yes. I think before I was a, I'm a bit bull in a china shop as a person I'm very, I'm very high energy I really throw myself at things and I think of late I've begun to learn just to take time to find the right Things just let the creat- creative creativity just flow through without having to push it all the time. And they just kind of happen, and that's lately what it's felt like. You know, it's been finding that lovely sort of performancy place. Yeah, it's it's
0: having the confidence to
1: um, not
0: worry that the audience is going to be bored, mm-hmm. but just to yeah. No, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. And and I
1: think. Seeing as much improv as I do has been really good for that, you know. And seeing a week, you know, again, having a weekly show and seeing so many teams form, seeing so many people perform, I think what that has put across me is is is, is like audience dynamics and what you can and cannot do as well. No, I, no, actually, no, I'll never say what you cannot do as a performer, but what you can do as a performer. And I think the big lesson I've learned has been time, you know, you you, you can watch performers. Just perform, just be on stage, yeah. improvising. You know, to to me, I personally, I don't need to know straight away where they are, who they are, what their relationships are, what they're doing. If what they're doing on stage is engaging and real, and I am drawn to it and I want to watch it, I will let them have time to do that. Yeah. I think that's been really ne- seeing that firsthand and appreciating. So good for me as a performer to know I can do that on stage, you know, I can let a thing happen, yes, you know, really organically happen. I think that and not rush it is such a refreshing thing for me. It was great, yeah,
0: and it's also interesting. And because when you're on stage, things that seem like 10
1: minutes have actually only been a minute. Oh, yes, I mean, time is so deceptive on yeah. stage, I mean, it can be incredibly long or incredibly short it's never in my mind it is never actually the time it is yeah it's never the time it is and it's always so interesting that it's it's weird it's so weird it is weird isn't it so uh
0: with duck duck goose you've you've branched out into duck duck goose presents
1: that's right yes so the from the weekly jam we um we've been wanting to see what other ways we could potentially sort of expand the shows we're doing and we've been wondering about doing another night and we sort of made a few tensive inquiries but not we really sort of got anywhere with it. And then um one one evening um Ed and I were at a launch event for an app called City Night, which is like a sort of a uh, an app we tied in with and it, it was how did you end up sorry, how do you end up going to a launch for a app? We... <laughs> I just don't remember those I circles. Know, I, I know I <laughs> I mean I'm aware that that's like the most London wanker state <laughs> I I mean to put in context it was in Shoreditch as well. So we were in the bar called the Tiger guess shoes, Jag- no, jaguar shoes, jaguar shoes in Shoreditch, Which is the most shortage you bar you can imagine. So I mean, I mean, I I always regretted text my parents because they they would think what a sort of London wanker would become. <laughs> I mean, my brother already thinks I'm a hipster. Hey, Paul. Um, and so yes, so they, they the the company City Night had had got in touch with us because they were running. They they'd created this app which is basically designed to tell you what is going on in your area in terms of. Um, entertainment, be it comedy, be it music, be it dance, be it anything really. And it worked, and it's a really cool idea, so it works on a geographic sort of basis, so you can sort of, you know, you can open up, put in your preferences of what you want and tells you what's in your area. Right, yeah. So they found out about us, um, and we're looking to really branch in, into comedy, so we sort of worked with, with, with their team and got ourselves set up with them, so they invited us to, to the launch night, and Ed and I could go along, so we went along. And you know, it was supposed to be an inverted commas networking night yeah, right. like <laughs> night night, n- night night in the bar basically. <laughs> but for once the networking genuinely worked. Wow The <laughs> first person we spoke to the first person we spoke to was a, was a guy called Dan and he is the man in charge of bookings and running the Backyard Comedy Club in Bethnal Green, who was another partner of City Night. Literally the first person there and I spoke to. And he said, Why are you guys doing prop? Cool. I want to do an improv night at, at Backyard Comedy. It's something I've seen, you know, he knew it was a growing thing. And he said, yeah, I want to do an improv night at Backyard Comedy. So he, he said, you know, how about we do a monthly night there? And we're like, yeah. Back, there we are. Done. You know, <laughs> like, Rubber stamped it there and then, and then got back to drinking. And, <laughs> and it, it grew from there. So, you know, we ended this year doing three monthly uh, shows at um, Backyard Comedy. And what we wanted to do differently with Duck, Duck Goose Presents... Is we wanted this show to, to be distinctly different to the Jack. So with this one, we was like, okay, we want to use this night to grow improv. We want it because we're doing it in a comedy club that is not a a uh, improv venue. It's a stand up kind of bar, a stand-up venue, and we wanted to tap into their audience and showcase the level that improv can be. You know, and actually show like guys, you know, this is how good it can be. So. The focus we had on we wanted to get in the what we considered to be the most established the most consistent I I hesitate to use the word best because I don't like that that word but the acts who could showcase what imp- I, I, how consistently great improv can be and that was where we went with it and you know lucky 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 we've had three really fantastic shows we've had some knockout acts perform. I mean, the the most recent one we did um, back in November, we had um, Project 2, who were one of the first teams I saw, and are still one of my favourite teams. That's John Monkhouse, Katie Shute, and, uh, and Chris Mead, and they do this amazing geek and nerd culture sci-fi improv, which is just so brilliant, it's so funny, it's so clever, it is so it knows its genres incredibly, and they're just a brilliant team, and they're three incredibly experienced and just monstrously talented people. <laughs> so we had Project Two, we had Multiverse Improv, which is a, a new musical team. They were just wonderful. I mean, they came and did a Duck Duck Goose jam, and we signed them up for the presents pretty much on the night because they just blew us away with what they were doing. They they did this brilliant. They did it up and then, but it's a brilliant format show. They do a, a sliding door style format show, so they, they establish a character, like a central character, and establish a situation, and then they, having established that, they then have a decision point in the show, and they then play out a scene, while doing it in musical of course, they're so doing it with songs, they then play out a scene of one decision, they then scroll back mm-hmm. yeah. and then play out option B so they have option A and they play option B and then they run these two parallel stories whoa yeah so they are doing a musical dual narrative whoa. which they then tie up at the end in one coherent ending and it, it, it is a work of genius that's just
0: blown my mind just hearing about it and performing mean, it and doing it in song
1: that <laughs> it's they do so much to make it so hard for themselves and they do it so well you know the songs are great you know and they it beautifully so they were wonderful and they, they smashed it and then the final act of the night was um, uh, the improvised adventures of Carryad and Paul so Paul Foxcroft and Carryad Lloyd who are as near to improv royalty as you're <laughs> going to get I mean there are two of London's and really the country's most storied improv performers I mean Carriad is part of um, Ostentatious I mean she's been on TV doing numerous things she's, recently on QI and Have I Got News For You, you know, she's, and being introduced as an improviser, which is such a sort of like, whoa. Paul is so involved with, you know, with, with, with the creative world, and he's just a brilliant, brilliant improviser and thinker himself. So watching those two, and they did, just the two of them, they did an hour, just a pair of them, doing these different stories, and they had the audience in the palm of their hand, and, and again, seeing how they performed, and could do everything, they could do clowning they could do games they could do structure they could do narrative they could do bits of music they they could do anything and they could do any style They, they kept dropping it in between them all and showcased all of them and i was like look at that again that was like this again is what i want to be i want to look at these and go oh i want to do that yeah, yeah, i want yeah. to be able to do everything like that i'll never do it as well as them but i want to do it like that so that was just an amazing show got and that was the kind of caliber of show we were always aiming for was to have three knockout acts each show to show what we're talking about so that was this year um we are going to continue doing the presents uh, next year because we were really pleased with with how it went, and Dan at Backyard was very pleased too. So we're going to go to a quarterly structure uh, next year. We're going to base it around um, sort of do, doing um four year because we found doing monthly was just a bit too much strain, honest. But we want to be, and we want to make sure we keep the quality as high as it can be. So we're going to do a. I think the first one is going to be march or april keep an eye on dr goose uh, on twitter on twitter and on facebook for information i think the first one's going to be in in march or april we are getting that sorted out and that's going to be amazing (laughs) so yeah we're really pleased with how that's developing you know cool cool Mm.
0: you mentioned america we should talk about america We should i guess yeah Oh, how did you discover (laughs) america
1: so i mean obviously you know america is is improv sort of you know Home base, shall we say, it's Tracy Island of, of of improv. Uh, <laughs> for it, you know, so we ended up going back there, and you know, like all improvisers, I was thinking about going out to the states. You know, that's what I sort of had in mind. Yeah, you know, this is back in back in twenty fourteen. Like, okay, you know, pretty committed to improv now. Really enjoying it. I think yeah, I might go go out and go and do something. And you know, I had Chicago and New York and Los Angeles and all the sort of you know, normal places down the list. And then a thing happened that not only. Blew away all those ideas of where I was going to go, but basically changed my life completely. And it's this mad thing of one decision and one moment completely has changed my improv life and my general life. And I, I can't emphasize enough how much a transformation happened just from this one moment. And the decision was to go along to the nursery theatre one night to go and see a team called Phonograph perform, I go and see P Graph. And I sort of ummed and about it, and I thought, oh, what the heck, I've got nothing else. I do I'm going go along and see them. And I had my mind blown. This is back in spring 2014, and these four improvisers came out. They're the based out of Austin, Texas, a city I'd never heard of, had no idea about no idea. of improv scene, no idea about it. City. They came out, and they did one of the most unbelievable shows I've seen. did this amazing improvised narrative where, so they did an improvised play where they did it in the style of a, um, a sort of like dark uh, space story and it was called Ares, Ares something, Aries in their number and it was brilliant and they were brilliant and I had my mind completely blown by it and I saw that and went I want to do that. I, I want to do that, what they're doing. yeah. You know, I'd seen their, um, their student showcase works. they've been over teaching, so they've done like a week of teaching, so the students performed too, and I love what the students did, and I love what they did, and I went, yeah. So, after the show, I found out that they were doing a, a weekend workshop, so instantly went and signed up for that. And under the care of Casey, Kareem, Roy and Valerie, the former members of PGraph, had one of the most wonderful weekends of my life. Just had a brilliant, fun weekend playing around in the rag factory, and learnt so much, had such a good time. What did they do that was different from I other things you've done before? What it was, was the way that they built this narrative, you know, and they built a story. But was, what they do brilliantly, P-Graph, is they build the simplest, barest-bone story. They don't get lost in the narrative of it. They just do the simplest story. And then on that structure, they then hang character, performance, interaction, fun, playfulness with each other, and all of these different things. And and also their ability to do multiple different genres to their real genre team. I mean, put in context, they have been playing together for 10 years. When I was out in in the States in November, they did their 10th anniversary show. They've done 600 (laughs) plus shows together, which is just mind-blowing. So these four people... And so I always used to say, you know, it's a, it's a, two, two of them are married and I would always challenge people when, when they first meet the four of them is to guess which which two are married. Because <laughs> I, I, I would bet it would be the third or fourth option that you would think from from from, from, from looking Because they are so tight and they're so natural with each other. They are just brilliant. And it was just, you know, just, it just got into my soul and got under my skin of like how much I was enjoying it, how good I felt doing it, how much better as an improviser I felt doing what they were teaching. And I had a great time. And at the end of this two week, I was like, two weeks, God, I've only, this this two-day workshop. um, I said, well, we're going to be doing a summer intensive back at our home theatre, the hideout in Austin. Anyone want to go? And I went, yep, me. Instantly, it's like, me, I want to go, I want to go. And I I thought, okay, Mark, be sensible, be smart about this. You know, you just made an instinctive decision in the moment because you're excited. Go home and think about it. And three days later, I was still going, I want to go and do it. I want to go to Austin. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go to the city that I have never gone to before <laughs> where I know four people incredibly vaguely and yeah. go and spend a week there. Yeah, that's a logical decision. You know, I want to pay all this money to go to a place I've never been for and don't know anybody there. And so therefore I did because it was an, an itch that just was not going to go away. I had to scratch it. So I booked the flight out, booked a hotel, put myself onto the um, week intensive. And in summer 2014 and in early August 2014, got on the plane, flew out, arrived in Austin and went over to the Hideout Theatre. And by the end of the first night, I had seen two shows. I was at somebody's birthday party. <laughs> Again, hello Aspen. Meet, 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 meet you off the bat. I was at somebody's birthday party and had met about 40 awesome people. And I was just amazed. And I fell completely in love, you know, immediately. You know, you just someone just hits you immediately. And I fell in love with the city, fell in love with the people, and fell in love with the, the Hideout Theatre, and fell in love really with the Austin Info community, the AIC, which is this incredible community of people, and just fell head over heels in love with it all. I had a wonderful week of teaching, you know, learning from the Hideout uh, staff, um, learning and performing alongside local improvisers who um, were going to, work, going to workshops, but also in, like other national improvisers too, so there's people who'd come in from all across the states and from Canada, uh, that perform, so I already to this wonderful network of people performing and it was brilliant you know learned so much about their narrative style, about how to do a theatrical, very coherent storytelling improv, got to do a showcase which was the most fun, had a wonderful time doing the showcase, got to see Brilliant performances, get involved with some cool stuff, and mainly just meet brilliant people. And I think, you know, if anyone has spoken to me since August, twenty fourteen, I was bored you rigid (laughs) with talking about Austin and the Hideout because it has just changed my life. You know, this city I never would have thought of going to.
0: What's it like? What's what's the Hideout theater like? What's Austin like?
1: So Austin is. Austin has a reputation of being a quote unquote weird city. It's um its unofficial motto is and it can't slightly corporate motto now is keep Austin weird. It is the capital, the state capital of Texas, which as you know is a very, very right wing, very much a red state. And Austin is this tiny liberal bonkers part of it. It's most known for its music scene. It's got a fantastic music scene, you know, south by southwest is one of the principal festivals. That's a big music and tech festival and performance festival there. But it has a really flourishing performance and comedy scene and the improv scene is very established there now. They've got, I think, five sort of organisations, four or five theatres, all doing different stuff. They've got a very strong community, the AIC, very established, very loving, very developed community and we're really a model, I think, what we what we are on the path of developing in London, a real community kind of spirit. The Hideout is a wonderful theatre that sat on Congress, so on, on the main streets of downtown um, Austin. It's got two theatres in it, uh, so a small upstairs one and a larger 90-person one. It's got a beautiful coffee shop, which is just a delightful coffee shop attached to it. It's this wonderful complex. Um, So some of the members of of P-Graph are involved with the ownership and the running of it, uh, and got other people involved with with, with it too. And it's just run by people who not only love improv, but also love developing improv. So they do a lot of teaching there, pushing people through it in their different styles, bringing through things, And they do a, a great thing with their shows, because as well as doing shows where like teams and troops can perform, they also do um, casted shows. This is a real innovation, again, I think i would never seen before going to Austin, was they will organise a show, much like a theatre prompt, so they will have a title, they will have auditions, they will have a structure to it, and they will do a limited run, six to eight weeks, of that show, and then... Thank you, good night, put it to bed, and then bring the next one through. So this it, it is like theatre that they do, and they're all in different styles they do. Them. so I mean when I was there out there the first time, they were doing um, the Dahl House, which was Improvised Adventures in the style of world Dahl. It's the first show I saw, utterly delightful. They've had um, improvised silent theatre there. They have had they're currently doing a show called Boy Howdy which is sort of like improvised 1960s cowboy TV series, like a serialized sort of cowboy series. The show that they're currently planning is a show called Savage Swords, which is going to be in the style of Conan stories. So that's going to be amazing. So I've already seen some photos from that, and there's so much fur and leather going on. It's just brilliant. But the show that I, I'm so glad I got to see, and I got to see this when I went out again back in April this year, and I'm so lucky to see this, is what to me is probably still the single best improv thing I've ever seen, you know, big statement time, yeah. you know, put it back, it's found out, is a show called Nothing and Everything. And that is improvised Chekhov. <laughs> I mean, all, I mean, you know, conceptually, it's a great idea. You know, I mean, Chekhov, you know, Chekhovian theatre is so distinct. And it's the thing they do very well too. You know? They work very hard at not just making it like a, a sort of a gag thing, but actually really properly being authentic about the about the form that it takes, you know, being very sincere about it, you know, really learning it, doing the research. So nothing and everything, improvised Chekhov. And we all know what Chekhovian sort of theatre feels like. And that's what it captured it. But what they did was make it theatre staging. So it wasn't just people dressed as normal, they were all in costume, all in Chekhovian costume, and it was a full props show. No, Um, space work it was all props and sets wow and it was it was theatre it was true theatre in the very sincerest way of putting it the only thing that, that wasn't conventional was there was no script but you wouldn't have done because they had this staggering team of improvisers performing being so authentic to Chekhov and using real props and interacting with the surroundings and generating the most brilliant brilliant story and it was a real pleasure to see it, and as well as one of the best shows I've ever seen, He's also sponsored for one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and this is mid-clip that's done the rounds, and I adore it. Oh. It was mid-show, and Casey Beeler, Casey Danger, um, who's one of the, the four of Peacraft, she was playing a character who was getting very... she was very angry in the scene, and she picked up this bouquet of flowers and hurled it at one of the other I think I think he was playing her husband. There's a guy Mark Major playing her husband. And you know, you know these things where you know throw the flowers, it probably bounces off him or misses him. Instead, he just puts his arm out and catches them. He just catches <laughs> the flowers and puts them down on the table. I mean, a mode you could not <laughs> script. It was so beautiful because and you could see how absolutely furious Casey was. Like <laughs> sincerely furious that she was but she had this big emotional builder to hurl the flowers and he just catches them, and puts them down <laughs> and carries on talking and she just <laughs> collapses on the floor and you couldn't script it you couldn't create that it was that sort of, yeah. that's like, some of that like something like creation is an improv. and it's like that's a wonderful wonderful moment and yeah so very lucky to see that so you know since you know being there in august and i've been looking to get back out there again in april and november this year i've Absolutely adored the city and just had the best time playing out. I've got so many wonderful friends there, you know. So many people who are I can't list them all. It's literally too many people to list. But I've just come across this community of people filled with big hearts, big love, big talent too. So much talent and inventiveness. And what I'm hoping for looking forward to is not only my being able to go out there a bit more and perform and just be in the city, but also seeing more of their improvisers come over here. You know, we've been lucky that p Graph have been over a couple of times and performed in the UK, and hopefully we'll be coming back again. Cross fingers. Um, we also had a a, a couple of uh, friends of mine, Peter Rogers and Lindsay McGowan, came out on holiday and they performed at Duck Duck Goose. They did a show called Control Issues, which is this amazing choose your own adventure style format show, and we got a scratch team together at Duck Duck Goose and did it, and we had a great time doing it. So we're now going to do our version of Control Issues called Duck Duck Tales. We're busy getting it <laughs> prepared here, yeah, and thank you to Roy and. Um, at the hideout, give us permission to, uh, to, to use the format. Can you tell you, to explain what the Duck Duck Tales so format d- So, Duck Duck Tales is going to be, you know, those old choose your own adventure books when you were a child, you know, you, you, you'd have, you know, the A, you had your choice, you know, so you, you would, you know, the, the narrative would go and then you'd reach a point where you go, you know, choose A, choose B. If you choose A, go to page 51, choose B, go to page 6. And you should make a choice, go to that page and you see what the result is at. That's what control issues is. So, the story is a narrative you have a narrator who sort of steers and guides the story and he and the cast work together to produce points in the story where a choice with two distinct choices have to be made and then it's up to the audience to decide which choice they want to go with and the the improvisers then play out that choice that's cool it's a wonderful it's a really fun you know it's a good role for the narrator to play in it you know and and the cast themselves and it gets you in the mindset of always like trying to find a pinch point to try and find a sort of So, I mean, one of the shows that that we did, um, and we played it typically pretty wacky because that's just how we played it, we ended up in a situation where I was... I'd become a goblin king, as you do.
0: Well, you
1: do. And I, I was living in this society, which is a very sexist society. We'd established that only men could inherit and women didn't have any power. And we reached the decision point of, well, I'm a goblin, Perhaps I am also a king, so my choices are: a use my kingly powers to allow my sister to inherit the family business, you know, change the laws, or b marry my sister and keep the business in the family. <laughs> I mean, we didn't really need to know which option the audience chose. So myself and Big Hog were uh, <laughs> she was my sister we got married, and my coach you know my, and my cousin was was appalled by that as our father as you he would hope. Uh, so uh, it was delightful. So instead from doing it, and we're going to be doing that, you know, introducing that next year, and we can't wait to be playing that as well, you near know, a team out of it. So, you know, we're hoping them, you know, I'm personally obviously hoping that more of my friends will come over and also bring their improv sort of goodness over too. So it's it's a city I can't recommend enough, you know, and a few of our improvisers have gone out there. Uh, John and Katie and Chris have been out there, Jules Munns and um and uh, Heather Ocart have been out there, Andrew Gentili's been out there and Performed, Ginny um, Lyons has been out there and performed, and we're you know hoping so they've been lucky because they've seen real cream of London improv as well. You know, yeah. so I mean I am by some distance the least competent and least sort of established performer. This is not false modesty. This is just genuine. there, these guys are amazing. So it's like, you know, it's like I keep telling them, it's like you're so lucky you've seen these amazing people. So they've so we've got this sort of core of groups who've been out there and like been blown away by the place. And what's nice is as well as. Building the connections that way, we're also bringing something back with us. The nursery has recently been doing their series of uh, nursery originals, which are casted uh, narrative shows exactly inspired by the hideout. And they've they've made clear that these are hideout inspired shows because Jules and Chris and the creative team at the nursery have been so inspired by what they've seen, you know, felt very much as I have. So that's been a wonderful sight to see, sort of seeing inspiration come through in different ways uh, there. So that's for me because, you know, Though I want to be a an improviser who can do anything, what I most love doing is narrative yeah. you know I mean I, I love to do I love to play scenes and I love to play narrative and those are the main things that, that that come out of the hideout and that's what I most love doing is is that kind of not particularly structured play just letting letting it happen you know um, as well as the hideout my other big you know, as well as the Hideout and the, the London teachers I've learned from. My other biggest inspiration is Dave Wazowski, oh, yeah. you know, and he's a huge inspiration to me. I've been looking to learn from him a couple of times. And he, of course, is all about very simple, very authentic improv, that thing. You step on stage, you react to the person in front of you, and you create something there and then. Just like You don't sort of preload ideas, you just let the thing happen. You look at the person and you react authentically. And that was mind-blowingly good for, for doing that. and. And he does a format called Two Chairs. So two advisors on stage, both with a chair, and they don't take a session from the audience, they just walk around with the chairs, and ask the audience to say stop, and then, then put them down, and that's the scene painted there, and that's how they create it from that. And um, I, what's that? I, I lo- love watching this format. He and Jules have done it a couple of times in London. It's been brilliant. And I, I've done my take on it quite recently. Um, in my last visit to the States in November, I, as well as going spending a week in Austin, I was lucky enough to be part of the Tampa Improv Festival. Wow. So I, um, two friends of mine, um, Nick and Hannah, um, Nick, um, Nick, Nick Nick Riggs and Hannah Prince, uh, who I met in Austin back in summer 2014 at the intensive, they are two of the main driving forces of improv in Tampa, Florida. And they create this festival, Tampa Improv Festival, I think this is the third year I think they're doing it. And I'd seen them doing a festival, so I dropped the line and said, hey guys, you Congratulations with the festival. You know, I'm planning to come out of the States right at this time. Can I come by and see the festival? And I said, yeah, sure. Do you want to perform? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> so I said yes, and then decided I need to work out then what I was going to do. <laughs> that's the right way around. Exactly so. I, think, yeah. I, I like to think that's exactly what it is. So I sort of said, okay, I'm going to do something. I was like, well, I don't want to do a solo show because I've done some solo before, but... I I like to play with people. That's it's more fun to play with others. I think. I really do. I sincerely think that. I mean, there's you know we can make lucky jokes if we want, but uh, but, but, but I uh, I certainly feel better when I, when I play with others. Um, so okay, do so. There's no one from the UK who's going to be able to come out, so I can't sort of do that. So I think well, I'm going to need somebody who I'm used to playing with, who's a friend of mine, and so the first person I asked was uh, was was my friend Aspen. and she is one of my closest friends in Austin and I said, do you want to do a 2 part in Tampa? And bless her, she said yes, which was just a great thrill. And it's for sure we, wanted to, we wanted to play with her on stage for so long because you know, we've done stuff together and it's always had fun doing it and you know, it's just lovely to be with. And She is a genius and you know it's great watching her do stuff and getting a chance to play with her, it's amazing too. So she said yes and so I got back to Touch Nick and said, yeah, we're going to do a two-person show. Uh, and we're going to record uh, an Englishman and a bell <laughs> because she is a southern bell and I'm an Englishman <laughs> and, and I'm an Englishman so we, we created a tune for that you know and she got the name for that which is a wonderful decision and so we turned up in Tampa um we had a, a slot and about 4 hours before the slot we met for the first time since April so this is in the, in mid November for so the first time since mid April we met and we hadn't seen each other in months but we, and a few hours hanging out, went out on stage, did the two chairs format, because I thought we want to do a format that no one else is going to be probably doing in the show, and we just want to, you know, to listen, and probably did the best improv show I've, I've yet done. Really? I had the most fun, we together had the most fun, we were just super playful, very much on the same page to each other's performers, and we just had a brilliant, brilliant time playing together, and the 20 minutes we were doing flew by the show had some great moments in it you know moments I'm really really proud of and had such pleasure doing and that that has been a huge thrill to have done my first festival that's my first festival I've been on the schedule for I mean, technically I did the Improvised Play Festival earlier this year uh, in, in Austin but that's because I was showcasing at the end of a workshop but this one was the first time that you know it had my name on the, on the schedule and what a thrill it was you know and I feel so lucky to have being able to do that, so and, you know, thank you to everyone posting posted the conversation, thank you to Nick and Hannah, thank you to Tiff, and of course thank you to Aspen for giving me a chance to perform with you, it's absolute pleasure and thrill to have done that. And then to guest in a, in a wonderful show called History of the Influence, which was at um, Tiff as well, um, that's a show that Kevin Miller from Austin does, uh, where he gets pissed, I mean like blitheringly pissed, and then narrates historical events that the audience pick for him and, yet, and the improvisers then perform around it and the show is a glorious clusterfuck and it's one that I absolutely had the most fun being part of as well so I got a chance to guest in that so that was two real bucket list things done you know in, in one time and then up to and then after that you know, I had a week in Austin so that was a brilliant trip in November and I was so stoked to have a chance to have done that yeah. So, so yeah so that's a big tick this year was doing a festival and, and being able to do it with somebody who is a pleasure to perform with. So, good times. That sounds amazing. Or improv allows you to do.
0: Okay, final question. Mm. You've mentioned that improv has got into
1: your DNA. Yeah. How's it changed your life? It has introduced me to people I would never have otherwise have met. You know, I have friends who somebody wouldn't have known. I have you know, I have a friends and family as I consider them now, you know, here in England mm-hmm. and he- across the world and particularly in Austin and the States, I would just never have met. I've got to do things I would never otherwise have done. And I'm different as a person, you know, now. I, I am, you know, I'm a person that's discovered a thing that I am passionate about and I love to do. I am, you know, I'm a much happier person for doing it and I'm a much more, uh, rounded person for having done it, and I've just, it's given me a chance to have fun in a way that I've never, thought. I've never been as committed to something as I am to improv, I've, I've done a lot of different things in my life, and I've tried things, and given things up, and done things for a bit, and, you know, been involved with lots of stuff, but I've never felt as passionate about something other I do about improv, you know, it's given me the chance to perform, which I would never otherwise be doing, it's given me the chance to organise shows, it's allowed me to travel, it's allowed me to make connections, and build a life that I would never otherwise have had, and it's that thing where I just, I you know I think about it every day. You know, I you know I, I I go and see shows as often as I can, and I be involved in as much as I can, and I think about it all the time. And it has changed me and changed me in every way for the better. And I am so so grateful that I've had this opportunity to be part of the incredible scene we've got here in London, and it, to see how it is growing. And to see what we're doing and to see the teams and see the people is such a pleasure. You know, it, it, it makes me so, so happy to see it. And I'm a very, very lucky person. And I'm always going to feel that. Brilliant. Thank you very much. It my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me.
0: I made this. That's improv!